good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world and welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight and joining me from across the pond is the Statesman to my Kingsman, it's John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, my friend? I am doing quite well, Matt. Um, you know, just enjoying a, a little bonus day off uh, this week. Um, yes. I had I had some sick time and I thought, why not? Yeah, I needed a day to kind of mentally uh, rest my thoughts. Yeah, quite well. I'm always concerned when you say quite well because I only ever want John to be very well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's so similar to over here, dude. It's been a very quiet, it's been a quiet week, but a busy week. I'm getting lots of things done whilst feeling like nothing's getting done at all. But um, for the for the listeners of the show, I am recording in a different location with different tech, hence why my audio might sound slightly iffy compared to uh, previous episodes. But come next week, it'll be back to its sparkling best. Um, but it is. Uh, just to let you know, my friend, snowing outside. It was as, oh. as was forecast last week. It has been snowing. Our weather did. I, I believe last week I said how hot ours had been. Mm-hmm. Not, not looking ahead, and then on Thursday in the evening it dropped to like forty eight, and it stayed in like the forty eight to seventy range all weekend. And it's just today starting to get back into the eighties. Um, so have we had how this have weird you survived cold that cold spell? Oh, uh, I was, I had to chop up all of our furniture, uh, and set it (laughs) on fire in the middle of the room, um, in order to maintain the body temperature that one is, uh, required to not have frostbite. Um, but you know, we got through it. Uh, we came out the other side and you know, the, the, it's a little more spacious now, you know, Uh, nothing, nothing majorly destroyed by the fire. So that was good. As long as you didn't turn into Jack Torrance, here's Johnny trying to burn it, burn, burn your house down and everyone within it. But that's good to hear my friend. Yeah, you know, I feel I feel a little upset uh, that he gives Johnny a bad name. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I I we share some of the same letters in there. Uh, I don't believe. Yes. I feel like his probably has the H in it uh, early, like before the end. Mine doesn't. Mine's just J O N. But you know, um, otherwise, yeah, you know, I, I kept it together. I kept it going smooth. Ooh, Good I man. just got an email alert in my headphones, and it threw me off. Well, I'm glad your name's John because it helped me with that little shining reference there. But uh, for those who are new to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, firstly, welcome, and it is bloody awesome. Secondly, yes, we do talk about the weather because we're transatlantic movie brothers. And thirdly, here on the BAMP, we take one film per week, which is usually the biggest release or the most interesting streaming release of the week, and we give our non-spoiler thoughts and opinions on it. So one, so you can listen to this episode and you're not going to be spoiled other than the fact that we do read out the synopsis that we found online. So for this week, this might be one of the biggest films we've covered in terms of like literal combatants. We're talking Godzilla versus Kong from 2021 this year, directed by Adam Wingard, written by Terry Rossio, Michael Doherty and Zach Shields. And it stars Alexander Skarsgård, Millie Bobby Brown, Rebecca Hall. Brian Tyree Henry, Shana Guri, Isa Gonzalez, Julian Dennison and Damien Bashir. The synopsis we've got from the internet says, The epic next chapter in the cinematic monsterverse pits two of the greatest icons in motion picture history against one another, the fearsome Godzilla and the mighty Kong, with humanity caught in the balance. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score is 76%. Metascore is 60 which I'm... No, it's not surprised. I am surprised by, but I expect it to be less just because of who would be reviewing it. And the all-important IMDb user score, he says with a pinch of salt, 6.7 out of 10. Uh, you can see this on HBO Max in the States, and it's available to rent for £15, I think, in the United Kingdom over here. Um, John, yes, you've got a bit of box office trivia, haven't you, man? I, I do. I thought it was pretty interesting. Um uh, you know, the box office is something I've always been kind of fascinated by, but for the last year, because of the pandemic, box office has been kind of non-existent uh, with a few exceptions. But um, it's it's fun hearing uh, people get excited about box office again, like the yeah. the, the, the reporters and whatnot. Um, but uh, it currently under the pandemic box office, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong is the highest movie in the last year with 32 million over the weekend and 48.5 million in the first five days, because it did drop on a Wednesday. Um, Mm -hmm. The previous pandemic record was wonder woman, 1984 with only 16.7. So it doubled almost uh, what wonder woman did. And then globally it's made over 285 million, which is a much closer to what an opening box office would have been in the States. Probably, you know, it would have had at least it would have broke a hundred million. 
Um, I, I think 200, 300 million is, is probably what would have expected it pre pandemic. Um, even despite the, the underwhelming King of Monsters film uh, that preceded this, yes. I think there was a lot of hype going into this one. Uh, but it's, it's encouraging to see the box office uh, come up. It's also discouraging because we should still be safe. Yes, a lot of people have got vaccinated. I'm willing to bet a lot of the people that went maybe weren't vaccinated. <laughs> and um, based on uh, a, a recent email I got from AMC, I got an email because Florida has rescinded the mandatory masks in public uh, <sighs> provisions. And AMC was like, uh, in your area, there's no longer a mask mandate. However, AMC is going to require that masks be worn by everybody. Oh, I'm like, Thank you, AMC. Thank you so much. Because um, otherwise I, I would have to rethink my theater going plans, which I am. I, I am fully vaccinated now. I've had both shots. I, I had know. mild symptoms, um, of like not symptoms, but mild uh, side effect. I had like a headache for two days. That was about all I really had to deal with, mm-hmm. um, which is very fortunate. I've heard a lot of my friends have said, uh, you know, they, they were like, they felt like they had the flu for two days, like their body ached and they were, they had the chills and stuff like that. I literally felt a little fatigued late Friday night. I had got my shot on Thursday. But overall, I was like, man, this is perfect. I, I got real lucky with the uh, the process. Um, so I'm, I'm like less than uh, 10 days away from being able to go to a theater and feel comfortable, still mm-hmm. apprehensive. And I'm not going to go to like a packed theater. And luckily, uh, the theaters are all seeming to still be adhering to like their social distancing protocols. And I, I'm going to try to go to a theater that has reserved seating um, so that I can at least ballpark how many people are going to be there. Uh, and still be willing to walk out if I feel like there's too many people. You know what I mean? Like, still have to have that caveat, which I do wish that I had the movie pass available for me uh, to do that mm-hmm. so I wouldn't be spending extra money. But uh, I am, I'm excited to be one of the, the people getting to see something in the box office. I think it's going to sync up pretty well with Mortal Kombat because Mortal Kombat is getting a theatrical release now. Yep. Um, which I don't think it was a re- a initially, um, but it is now. So that's exciting to me, too. Yeah, it was initially that was going to be HBO Max uh, only, but now it was, it was originally meant to come out last year, and then January this year, uh, and then it was supposed to just be HBO, but now we're getting somewhere with theatres reopening. And yeah, it's good to hear that the masks are being mandatory because I don't want to sit next to any breath monster in the cinema. <laughs> so oh, I would, I would not yeah. go. Yeah, so like, Put that's your damn masks on. Yeah, and I know that's still going to be an issue because people will wear it, and as soon as the lights go out, they'll take it off or whatever. Um. You know, it's like because I the gym I go to has a mask policy, but like they have this loophole where it's if you're actively working out, you can take it off while you're working out. And but then the people don't put it back on like Mm -hmm. fast enough because they're like, well, I'm in between exercises. Like, yeah, that's when you're supposed to have it on, even though I wear mine the whole time. Yeah, it's the government. So I will see how the theaters do it. But I would have loved to have seen this film in theaters. And like John said, I I liked I liked 2014's Godson. I thought that's pretty good, actually. King of the Monsters, I was disappointed by. I liked the monster fights, but I thought the rest was very much by the by. And going into this film, what I'd heard was that the monster fights between uh, Godzilla and Kong were bonkers good fun, whereas the human side was a little bit better. Um, can I interrupt? What... And... Sorry, oh, I... I... Absolutely, my friend. I want to ask, uh, what were your thoughts of Skull Island? Because you skipped over that one. Oh, dude, Skull Island. I thought Skull Island was great. Okay, that's what I mean too. That's why I, yeah. I just wanted to say it out loud. Cause... Apologies to Kong and Skull Island. I, I forgot about you guys. Um, which is funny because we'll talk a lot more about Kong in a minute regarding this film. But So I've, got, I've gone into this with a kind of like 2014 was good. Kong, Skull Island was good. King of the Monsters, not great. Is this going to be King of the Monsters Part 2? And to me, it wasn't. To me, I had a really good time with this film, despite acknowledging the fact that it's not a really good film. If that makes sense, it, it is a versus film which actually paid off on the verses. This isn't AVP. This isn't Batman v Superman. Freddy versus Jason. Even though that was fun, this is Godzilla versus Kong. For the last half of the film, it's just those two big boys going at it. The human element is marginally better because there is an emotional crux of the story, which me and John have spoken about off air um, regarding a, a young girl in the film and her relationship to Kong. Now. That, to me, is leaps and bounds better than what we've got on King of the Monsters. But there is a side plot in this film with Billy Bob, Millie Bobby, sorry, Brian Tyree and Julian Dennison, which is almost appalling to watch. I mean, in terms of just the acting is horrific. And there's a side plot which you can say, well, let's just take you out. Let's throw you aside. Does it make the film better? 
in my opinion, yes, it would. It would make the film a little bit tighter. It's two hours. And to me, it feels like the studio said, we don't want this film to be short. We want this to be big. We want it to be two hours of spectacle. So they kind of had to fill two hours somewhat with some questionable character decisions. But I'm going in for Godzilla versus Kong primarily. I wasn't disappointed, man. I wasn't disappointed in terms of the fights. I think they were great. I like the fact that we kind of got a clear winner. We we, we certainly got a clear winner. Uh, and the ending was a bit, yeah, the ending was a bit, mm, how, how it all went down in the third act. And the trailer had that great, uh, the trailer, the great shot of Godzilla and Kong in, in Hong Kong, surrounded by all these neon lights. In the film, that kind of felt to me like it was this forced visual. You know, they wanted something to look cool. They wanted something to look, you know, what, what what's the enduring image of this film? You know, the two Titans fighting in this grossly overlit city, which just started to look a bit um, like a, yeah, well, I think me on MPM, so that was streamer's bedroom. It looked a bit over the top. Whereas Godzilla vs. Kong had, God, sorry, Godzilla and King of the Mots had some beautiful shots in it. GV uh, Godzilla had some wonderful shots, especially the red uh, parachute things coming through the smoke. And Skull Island was a very interesting palette of colours on it, oranges and greens. This didn't have that. But I still enjoyed it more than King of the Monsters. And one of the arguments I've heard is, well, what's the difference between the human side here and there? It's that emotional crux between the girl and Kong absolutely mm. makes this film. Yeah. Um, so before I go any further into it, uh, I enjoyed this film. Again, acknowledging all of its flaws. I actually had a good time with this, but I want to hear what you thought, man. I liked it too. Um, I especially, I loved Kong. Um, I think Kong mm. was my, uh, and I am, if you were to ask me pre watching this film, which of the two characters I like more Godzilla or Kong, I totally would have gone Godzilla. I've seen way more Godzilla films. Yeah. I still haven't watched a lot of the classic Kong stuff. I don't think I've ever sat through the entirety of Peter Jackson's. Um, <laughs> I've only cinema. seen, yeah, I, I've only seen clips of the originals. Uh, like I've seen the ending, you know, the iconic ending. I've seen that. Of course. Um, and I've seen, I think the, the 70s version of that too, but I don't think I've seen the entirety of the films. Um, so I'm not like, I'm not real in on King, on King Kong where I've, I've watched a lot of the Godzilla films. I've taught Gojira, the original Japanese film. Um, like I, I'm versed in the Godzilla world and maybe that's why I'm harsher on the Godzilla elements of the films and why I've enjoyed the Kong movies more collectively. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, I've, I know what Godzilla can be and I know that you can make the human characters meaningful and empathetic and they failed to do that in king of monsters and they failed to do that with the majority of the humans in this movie mm -hmm. with the exception of the little girl whose name i don't know if we have her on the cast list because she's probably not billed high because i think this was one of her early movies but um but i do think rebecca hall helps because she does bring like a gravitas to the film that i think they tried to do with vera farmiga but she doesn't really have that. Like she, she's the conjuring woman. Like she's not a bad actress, but she doesn't have like a gravitas to her and they wanted her to have it. And I, I yeah. didn't feel that. I, well, they I gave Rebecca Hall some, some quite corny bits of dialogue, which she had to try and sell, which she did for the most part. Yes, they, they agreed. And the dialogue, I think collectively in this movie is not very good. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they got. Like, why would they cast Alexander Skarsgård to be like this, this ditzy, like, kind of nerdy guy like it's like the worst choice because he's like, good looking which he is yeah, but, but that it doesn't fit the character that he's well, supposed of course, to be yeah, yeah like it, it's it's like when they cast Wahlberg to be the scientist in freaking God transformers almighty. like it's well, what are you doing it's no like yeah no. um and it's not even that scarsgar's and honestly maybe put Bri brian tyree henry in that role and it makes more sense mm -hmm. uh and he was good yeah, he's he's a terrific actor. I don't think his part was good. I, I think the yeah. part was poorly written. I also, I don't think giving a conspiracy theorist podcast credence is a good call. Uh, <laughs> granted, they would have done that prior to all of the actual conspiracy theory stuff that's happening right now, because this would have been made at least two years ago. Yep. Um, so fine, it was a little, but it, it did feel like, ah, oh, that's kind of gross. I don't like that. And then... Um, uh, you know, again, you, you there's there's stuff we can get into, but we, it would require spoilers with like some of the the typecasting or the uh, the representation of because there is a d diverse group of actors here, but where how they're used is questionable, I think, uh, to a degree. Um, and I've heard other probably much smarter and better people to speak on this talk about it on other podcasts. So I, you know, it's not necessarily what stood out to me, but what did stand out to me was despite the not great human characters, they made Kong a character. 
And yep. I do feel like he was the actual protagonist, even though this is clearly meant to be a Godzilla film. I, I think they, they set Kong up as the one we are supposed to be rooting for, rooted with the little girl. But he has a lot more emotion. He has a lot more screen time outside of the fights. I think like mm-hmm. whenever we see Godzilla, it's predominantly attacking or fighting where Kong is, we get, he gets downtime. You know, he's got those moments where he just is sitting with what's happening. And uh, I think they did a terrific job with that. I really cared about Kong. And um, I, I found myself uh, very much into those scenes. And I liked the fight scenes. I liked all three. I, I all three of the big fights um, won't get into the details, but I thought they all had some cool elements. Uh, I thought the lighting in the third one, um, the final fight was much, was cool because it was daytime and it wasn't like covered in smoke and smog, mm-hmm. um, which is something that like, I liked the 2014, but it is very much like in the, the realm of the Snyder verse, as far as like, it's Hey, let's make it impossible to see anything. And I felt that way about King of Monsters, but maybe I am maybe I was just like bad mood because of the the entirety of the film. I don't remember it. Um, I, I don't remember liking much of King of Monsters. I remember being irritated through the, the majority of it, just like what what did they do? Because I went in so hyped, and I think that needs to be said for both of us. We were super pumped for King of Monsters, dude. We we spoke about it on this show a few years ago. Yeah, right. We we were sucked in by those trailers, man, weren't we? Yeah, and then we got there and we're just so disappointed. Um, and we do, we, we criticize, I, I feel like we might have run the gambit on Julian Dennison. I think he might, I think we might've exhausted his realm of capabilities. Uh, the mm-hmm. last couple of performances, I've been very let down. Deadpool is essentially Deadpool two. His performance there is essentially just what he did in hunt for the wilder people where he's brilliant, but he's definitely a one trick pony. And he's now they're trying to branch him out a little bit and it doesn't seem to be working. Millie Bobby Brown in this feels like she can't act. And you're not wrong. There's plenty of examples that she can. And I, you reminded me of Enola Holmes where I think she's yes. really good in Enola Holmes. And um, so I don't know if it's just the script uh, here, but it definitely didn't feel good. And I guess to be fair, there, there's not really a standout human performance. Like John C. Riley stole the show in uh, Kong Skull Island. Yeah. Brian Tyree Henry is on the same page with what this movie is, but his character and what they're asking him to do doesn't always make sense. Um, but it's, it's still, despite all of that, I also am in on this movie. I, I had a really good time watching it. Uh, I didn't feel upset or irritated. I, I even, again, there were moments where I was like, Oh my God. But when the, the, the key stuff comes to play, I felt satisfied and that's what I was wanting. And I think, the the disappointing thing to me when I hear people like say, Oh, forget the human stuff, it's like you can't say that because it's there. Yeah, you can't exactly, yeah. We other movies that have big monster fights have human characters that matter, including old Godzilla films and probably I don't know because I haven't really watched them, the old old King Kong movies, mm-hmm. I think probably have human characters that you are at least rooting for or are at least not irritated that they exist in the movie. Yeah. And um that's that's the thing everyone it's like if the humans weren't there those complaints would be valid because we would all we could say is i wish there was some human story but instead we're stuck with this mediocre human stuff that we know can be done better we have seen movies where it is done better and while the fights with the monsters were really cool and again i think they did a good job of giving some empathy or pathos to to kong mm-hmm there's definitely room for improvement. And I, I think that's what they should be striving for. These movies are big budgets. You have talented writers in, in Warner brothers. Like it exists. We've seen other movies that are really good. Yeah. Um, so w- why are we dropping the ball there? Like it, it just doesn't make sense to invest that much screen time in these characters that are poorly written or underdeveloped or have just generic dialogue that feels so inconsequential yeah and that's it it's almost like the the writing in these films uh becomes an afterthought and we also hear the story which i've said before as well like the quote that you know we're not here we're not here for citizen kane or shakespeare i'm certainly not here for shakespearean academy award-winning dialogue but it's not too much to ask for decent dialogue do you know what i mean it's not like i'm uh, i don't right. come into these films and expect to be dumbed down not that this film is say, i'm saying about this film but i don't you know i don't want anything spoon-fed i still want to have a modicum of intelligence to what i'm watching because why not you know show some show some confidence in what you're writing 
And for me, Wingard does that to a point. I think he knows what kind of film it is. He's self-aware enough to put in a few gags here and there. King of the Monsters, to me, felt a bit too serious for yeah. what it was trying to be. And hey, visually, wonderful. Ghidorah is probably the best thing. For me, King Ghidorah is the best part of all of these films. I love that character, uh, that monster, sorry. But Adam Wingard knew what film he was doing here, and that's why I think he got that balance right comparatively to what Michael Doherty did in King of the Monsters. So it's it's little things that tip the scales. It's not it's not like this film is particularly better than King of the Monsters to me, like in terms of how it's made or anything. It's just the little things, like those little human interactions which are just handled with more tact. The fights being, to me, a little bit more impressive. Um, and the visuals... I said, to be fair, the visuals are better than the last film, but the little things which tip the scale... Um, I, I wanted to ask you a question about this, which I've asked a few people now, but what do you think this film, do you think King of the Monsters could have had a better shot if they'd swapped roles? If Godzilla vs. Kong came out first and then we built up to King of the Monsters, because where do we go now in the Monsterverse? We, we've, we've used all of the monsters in King of the Monsters. We've had GVK now. now where do they go? Because I can't see how they can make more Godzilla films exciting. They can use Kong a lot more, I think, but I'm not sure about Godzilla. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean... One, it wouldn't hurt to do Kong. I, I, there's stuff we'd have to get in the spoilers to go where I think they of could course, go yeah. with Kong and potentially Godzilla. Um, but I, I think there's a good argument there because it is almost like it's almost well, it's Warner Brothers again. It's Justice League before you had the solo films for <laughs> Aquaman and Shazam, who's not in Justice League, but nonetheless, uh, before you had Flash movie that still hasn't come out yet. Like it, they're putting the cart before the horse kind of thing, like. Mm-hmm maybe this movie would have made sense because you did Skull Island, you did Godzilla. Let's get those two to fight. And then it re- maybe their fight is what unleashes all of the other monsters or something yep. that, that they force the human characters to do stupidly in the freaking other movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually makes a lot of sense to me. And again, you didn't need to do all of them in one movie. That's another thing we've seen done wrong with comic book films, right? Is like cramming too many villains in one film. Just like, Godzilla versus series like let's Godzilla versus you know Rodan the Godzilla mm-hmm. versus Mothra like there's which is what the old movies were for a long time yeah. I think there's a multitude of films before they ever did a major crossover with like a bunch of monsters all at once in the old film so uh, I could be wrong but just I know there's a lot of individual versus movies and that's probably what we'll end up seeing um, I think we'll get Mothra back uh, traditionally Mothra is one that comes back a lot mm-hmm. um, and, there's and a cat, there was Easter egg in the end of king of the monsters that potentially there was a mothra egg out there somewhere right uh and um you know obviously there's always the human that's i don't know man there's always stuff Um, (laughs) what about a prequel uh i i don't think a prequel would be the best idea but i definitely wouldn't put it past wb going do you have an idea for it uh no well yeah well that would i don't know something like the the ancestral fight. You I mean in the in the trailer to this uh, film, they set up that this is an ancient war. I don't know, like show us, show it to us. Maybe I'm just thinking about how ways they can stretch this out because we've had three Godzilla films, almost. I mean, we've had two Godzilla films, one Kong film, and a joint film being this one. So we're due a Kong film with anything. He needs his own little film. So I can imagine they'll go Kong if they want to do it next. But after that, I'm not really sure what they can do. Godzilla versus Kong two. That, that Rocky two Creed versus Rocky again, I don't know. But it's the only thing I can think of is that we you know, do a Kong film, uh, find a way to give Godzilla a new nemesis or a prequel. Um, but what about well, what about original uh, villains? Could they could they make their own monster? Could one or Warner Brothers come up with their own one, or do they think they need to stick with the wheelhouse? It might be time to cross over, man. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League versus <laughs> Darkseid um... versus Godzilla. But uh, in the old movies, there is a precedent for children, right? There's a God's baby Godzilla and baby Kong. Yeah. Um, so, yes. You know, you imagine it, it might be time that we have like a Muppet baby type, you know, monster movie. Not the mommy. Uh, Rugrats, colon, hey, king honestly, of monsters. Uh, can you imagine? Can you imagine that baby? You can, like, to me, like you said, with Warner Brothers, I can. HBO Max original, baby Kong versus baby Zilla. Ah. Uh, Let's do it. Let's yeah, make let's it a thing. Well, um, uh, it sounds like we're both fair, pretty up on this, though. They haven't called it... Uh, they have not called Kong King Kong, right? Uh, no, Kong Skull Island and Godzilla vs. Kong. So. so maybe we see him ascend the throne? 
in the next one? Like um, again, without going into spoilers, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there there are ways that they can do it, but I like that side again. We're not going to spoilers, but I like how they handled the character, both monsters in this film and their respective kind of. Uh, titles throughout the film and who kind of has domin- domin- uh, dominion of where and that I think that was quite well done the uh, when we get into the third act it got a bit silly but let's be fair that that twist was ruined in the marketing and also by the director because he knew that the twist really? was out there and he posted a picture on Instagram of him oh. with some merchandise and he said the, the caption was the cat's out of the bag now anyway basically and he had the cat he had this uh, merchandise of a a third act character in this film so i did not you, know that if you if you follow adam wingard and you don't want to be spoiled maybe, maybe don't click on his page for now but um yeah i thought the third act descended a bit there were some questionable cho- choices in there which kind of felt a bit rushed and was like right how do we get from how do we get from here to here to here but to me there was a clear winner in the duel there's only there was a clear winner in the in the titular duel um and I think there was also a, it was also a winner for me in my heart as well because all I wanted was a good, good couple of hours of just two behemoths just going at each other, and like you, yeah, I was genuinely generally satisfied with what I got there. The human part of it wasn't as horrible as I thought it'd be. It's probably the best I can give it. So yeah, I I thought when I if even when I rank this film, I would rank it on th- this genre of film. So if I'm gonna if I'm gonna rank it within the multi the monsterverse, you know I'd give this one eight out of ten for me, but I wouldn't necessarily stack that up against other better films. <laughs> I've given eight out of ten, but within its own little realm, I think this is pretty good. Yeah, it's definitely one of the better ones that they've done. Um, I, I think uh, Kong Skull Island is my favorite of yeah. them, um, and then I I think I like this one more than Godzilla 2014 just because I like the spectacle of the fights. Mm-hmm. Um, 2014 is, I think, a better probably movie overall. Um, and it, again, those I, I commented on the look. I do think it looks cool, but you also don't really get to see the monster. And I like to see the monster, like mm-hmm. with this type of movie, because that's why I'm there. I'm there for yeah. the monster. Like so. Plus, I love Godzilla design. That's why the 1998 Godzilla, as bad as it is, <laughs> I enjoyed thoroughly as a kid. And as I said on Movie Club. The soundtrack slaps from oh, that. The soundtrack point. is boss for that film. But uh, yeah, um, I enjoyed that movie as a kid because you saw Godzilla a lot. There's some stupid moments in that movie that as a kid, <laughs> I, I totally would have accepted and liked. But now I'm like, wow, the, how did he do that? Like, how did his head pop out of the bridge? Um, how, how did they, how did he turn on his full beam, scare Godzilla? Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Um, but nevertheless, uh yeah. But you saw him. So like the 2014 one, that was a criticism. I am, uh, I'm, I am going to be watching Shin Godzilla this year, but um, in October we're doing for movie club, we're doing uh creature features. And so I'm yep. kind of saving it for that. Uh, so that's what I, my current, it's on my, my slate for that. We're going to do it as part of the podcast. So well, it, I thought that I, film was talking it, about things that slap. I thought Shin Godzilla was awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to check that one out. Cause that's, um, I've I've heard great things about it for a while. I bought it a while ago. I mm-hmm. just haven't got to it. So I, you know, I guess waiting a little while longer won't hurt anything. But it, it just shows that you do a list. film like that in a different style and a different way. You could shake it up a little bit. So um, hopefully you enjoy it. And hopefully I haven't just um, overhyped it for you any more than it already is. But yeah, Shin Godzilla is great. GVK, uh, are you going to recommend this one, John? I will recommend this one. I too will recommend it. Go check it out at theatres, HBO Max, or drop a few quid to rent it. And um, yeah, let us know what you thought about Godzilla versus Kong and where they can take the monster first next. Um, and talk about next, where we're going is our next segment. How about that for a link? It's called Chuffed Headlines. And it's a me and John each week, we take a movie or pop culture headline that's caught our attention for, for any reason whatsoever. And we introduce it to the other one. So John, what's caught your eye this week? So um, if you've listened to my podcasting for years and or if you've read any of my stuff, I um, the, the first director that ever really caught my attention as a filmmaker was Kevin Smith. Um, mm-hmm. And like I knew a few others like Spielberg, everyone kind of knows, but Kevin Smith was the first time where I was like, this guy speaks to my soul, like in a way that I didn't <laughs> I didn't fully understand. Um, still, and I still admire Kevin Smith. I definitely you know, I, I think his older stuff is his best stuff. Um, okay. And, uh, but I, I am a, I'm a fan. Like I, I, you know, I, I'm more than just, um, 
a movie fan, I've gone to like his live stuff and I've, uh, a few times I've seen him live and, um, you know, in fact, I've sat next, uh, adjacent to his mom at one of the shows because his mom nice. lives in Florida. And, um, uh, what caught my eye this week uh, was that Kevin Smith shares wonderful tribute to clerks 28 years later. Um, and there's an article from, uh, forget cinema, cinema blend, um, kind of talking about this, that we'll have the link in the show notes. But, uh, so the funny thing was when I was reading the article, I was, um, not, it wasn't loading the, the Instagram post that they were referring to. And they also didn't like type out what he had said. So like, I couldn't see what he had said. They were, I just like got this kind of obscure, like, Hey, he said these nice things about his old movie. And I'm just like, what? it doesn't load. It's not showing. So I had to like go to my Instagram and like pull up the post. Um, but, uh, 28 years ago today. So this was, uh, done the other day when it yeah. was the 28th and 28 year anniversary. Um, and there's a bunch of cool pictures of like him sleeping on the floor of the, of the quick stop next to the camera. I think he's sleeping. He's covered in a, a blanket. So maybe he's just cold. I don't know. Um, some shots from the movie, a shot of Kevin, like uh, putting his eye on the camera, headphones on, you know, some BTS footage, um, and uh he he is you know been for a while working on clerks three and it is yeah. uh they're they're very adamant that it is officially happening um especially uh, during covid he had a, a inspiration for the the uh, rewrite because he'd written the script a couple of years ago but he's adjusted it and changed it uh many times but um i i'm hopeful i like clerks two uh quite a bit i don't think it's as i don't think it holds up as well as clerks one no uh and and one of the one of the things that I think Kevin got very lucky with is he's always been very progressive. His brother's gay, um, you know. He's 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 always on that side of it. So even when the movies tread areas that I think a lot of other people may have in the '90s, especially would have uh, would now find cringy or whatever, yeah. he's a little bit ahead of that in most of the cases. Um, but nevertheless, I, uh, I I I'm still a fan, and I, I'm excited to see what we get with Clerks Three. Um, and you know, uh, it's it's kind of almost like Linklater is the before trilogy. You know, it's like Clerks ten years <laughs> later, twenty years later, um, because we I, Clerks two was like what eleven or twelve years after Clerks, I think two thousand six, uh, twelve years, I think, yeah, yeah. So uh, now we're getting another one around the same time, like so. Um, and and to be fair, uh, he does credit Linklater slackers as one of the things that inspired him to make movies with his friends. Um, so there you go. It's his take on the before series on, on accident, but nevertheless. Um, so I, I just like that. It, you know, I like, I like seeing positive. Generally there's positivity around Kevin Smith. That's one of the things I like about him. Even when I don't always buy into what he's selling, like we talked about him last week, uh, because he's, he's featured in the last blockbuster documentary. Yep. Um, I, I didn't fully love him in that. Uh, I didn't <laughs> think it was the best. It was clearly like they just needed a name and he was like, cool, I'll do it. Um, <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh, but I still, I enjoy him uh, in most cases and not, not all the time. Like sometimes some of his stuff, I'm just like, all right, cool. But I, I still appreciate, um, he's been an inspiration. I mean, even my weight loss was sparred yeah. on his, because of his heart attack, um, and, and me not wanting to go through what he went through and almost, you know, um, so yeah, uh, it, it, anytime I see something positive about him though, I'm going to, I'm going to jump to it and that's what caught my attention. Yeah, um, I, I I really like Clerks. I've always liked Clerks, and the first time I saw it because it's such a st- odd movie. I mean, it's such a weird movie. Like a couple of guys working in the convenience store who don't really do anything. They just talk about films and play some hockey. And yeah. there's your film. Funny scenes though. There's some oh, very dude, funny yeah. Oh no, yeah. I'm not disparaging. I mean, oh, yeah, you, no. they make a film out of that, and it's so good. It's a, it's a it's a cult classic, of course, and it's an indie classic, and it catapulted Kevin and and um, Jay as well. Um, Jason Mewes. It's catapult yeah. with them. We've seen to so many spin-offs with Jay and Silent Bob. After that, we have got Clerks too, um, and what Kevin Smith went on to do with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. After that, and then, right. like you say, his, his later films as well. Even like more experimental films like Tusk. You know, Kevin Smith's always I like. Tusk. Got in, I don't mind Tusk. I think it's got an interesting twist to it, and there are films out there with a similar premise. So it's not like Kevin Smith just suddenly went mental. It's just his take on an interestingly bizarre kind of horror type. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I like I, I like Clerks, man. I think his first five films are are uh, all outstanding. I think Chasing mm-hmm. Amy is the one I go to the least because yeah. it is the most serious. Um, Mallrats, man. Yeah, uh, Mallrats is my favorite. I just connect <laughs> so much with that movie because I was a Mallrat. Um, yep. 
I do love Clerks. Uh, Dogma, I think, is his best film. I think it's the film that has the most... I think it's the film that says the most. Um, It's not just, you know, friends telling fart jokes. Like, there's substance in Dogma that I think is actually quite brilliant at times. And I think it shows his intelligence that he often kind of overshadows with with dick and fart jokes. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, Dogma's controversial, but I do think he's saying the most. uh, And um, James and Bob are just, like, the fun, like... It's it's a bonanza of pop culture. Like it's just you know, do you like pop culture? Here's every reference we can possibly fit <laughs> yeah. into a movie. Um, and uh, so yeah, I love those. And then his obscure stuff that comes after Clerks too. Um, uh, Red State is also really really brilliant and a really solid action suspense movie for Smith that I don't think enough people have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, like you said, I think Tusk is really good it's pretty much been downhill after that yoga hosers is garbage. I, I so disappointed. I, I actually do like James Silent Bob reboot. I, it, there's an emotional core to that movie that I found uh, very, very touching as a father um, with the, the story about um, Jay and his uh, long lost daughter who happens to be played by Harley Quinn Smith, um, who <laughs> has really stepped into her own as an actress. I got to say she, she she's has. continuing to get better. No, she has. Um, yeah, I, I I appreciate most of Kevin Smith's work. I think he's a nice, good dude. Um, even if I do sometimes think, please stop posting pictures of yourself crying on the set of a film <laughs> or something. I get it. But I know I, I, he is passion. I'm never going to be one to argue against passion. I, I like pretty much most of the things he's done. And yeah, those kind of original films he did on a shoestring budget of a, the kind of stoner pop culture life are, are classics in their own right for a reason. Also because yeah. they're bloody good. So hell, I'm here for a 28, a 28 years later, not the film, 28 years later kind of anniversary shout out for for Clerks. And if you haven't seen it, go check it out because it is just yeah, packed full of so many references. <laughs> You'll be yeah. sitting there for uh, if pop culture fans will be jumping for joy at each one. So um, yeah, go watch Clerks. If you haven't seen it. Um, 28 years later should be the next Danny Boyle movie though. Just saying, like it's about dude. that time. Well, we might as well just, just do a documentary, man. <laughs> Living in now, things roaming in the streets without masks. Um, well, my story isn't quite as um, uplifting or heartwarming as John's, but I'm going to throw it out anyway. And uh, It's a, a story by a dude called Graham Gutman, uh, and the headline is Joss Whedon reportedly threatened Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot's career during the Justice League reshoots. Wow. Joss Whedon and uh, Gal Gadot reportedly clashed during Justice League reshoots with the director threatening her career if she did not comply. This news came out today, on the day of recording, because I did actually have another one, which um, I'll briefly mention in a minute. But this came out today, and I was like, well, let's throw this in. And basically, in a nutshell, we know that Ray Fisher, who played Cyborg, has had a lot of issues and has a lot of allegations against uh, Joss Whedon, uh, Walter Hamada, um, everyone at Warner Brothers, basically, for the way that he was uh, treated on set. Uh, Jason Momoa, Gal Gadot both come out and said, yeah, well, we're in support of this dude. Some stuff went went down. Recently, Joss Whedon has been outed by members of the Justice League crew and also the Buffy the Vampire Slayer crew as being a bit of a scumbag. And yeah. um, this story basically says that he would give Gal Gadot lines that she didn't want to say. She was unhappy with the direction that her character took under Whedon, not in the Snyder sh- um, sh- cut, we must say. What Joss Whedon was asking her to do, she wasn't happy with. She wasn't happy with the lines. But Joss Whedon apparently took pride on set. You know, he knew it was annoying. He was saying to people, you know, he, he felt a power. You know, I can make you say these things. And I know it makes you feel uncomfortable, but I can make you do it or else I'll ruin your career. He reportedly disparaged Patty Jenkins on set quite a lot. We know that those two, Gal and Patty, have a very close relationship. And, yeah, that's the idea of Joss Whedon, that absolute potato head, um, bragging on set about giving you know a, an actor or actress lines that they didn't want to say because it made them feel uncomfortable bad enough but given his you know now chuckled history with w- women you know it, this is just another red mark against that guy he hey look we might like the films he did for marvel doesn't change the fact that he looks like one of the biggest douchebags out there in hollywood so um uh what do you th- what do you think you're hearing that dude? What are you thinking about? You know those again. It's, it's rumors and allegation, but you know it seems to have some kind of legs yeah. to it. I mean, given the the other stuff that has come out, it does seem it it's, it would be weird for so many people to like years later suddenly like conspire against him. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like 
because there's no reason to right now. Like he didn't have anything going on. It's this is all like, hey, you know what? We let this get by, and we're not going to let it get by anymore. And I'm glad to see that that's happening. It is. It's always a little disappointing when. Uh, someone whose name is attached to so many IPs that people love. Yeah. Um, I'm not like a suit. Like I, I didn't, I watched Buffy like the first couple seasons when it was like actually on, I liked it. I, I not enough to follow through with it. And then I never went back to it. Um, I've watched, uh, I really like Serenity. I've seen episodes of Firefly. I like what I've seen. I, I'm not like a diehard fan. Um, and then I like, I like the Avengers, but mm-hmm. I like the Avengers before he was, making it you know i was like on board because i liked iron man and i liked captain america uh i kind of like thor it was all right uh you know yeah. um so like i i don't have that attachment that i know some people definitely do to whedon but it you know it's a shame that he it so many people suffered under him before it was finally outed and um i am glad so many people are stepping up and saying things and i i wish people didn't have to go through all this stuff you know yeah, yeah, you're right. So again, just to uh, reiterate, so Joss Whedon doesn't try to sue my backside allegations and rumours, though I fully believe them. Um, so that was the story that came out today. But the other one I wanted to mention was um, just quickly was Bill Murray, one of John's favourites and a fan of favourite of mine as well. Uh, of course, he's going to be in the new Ghostbusters Afterlife, which comes out in November of this year. But he came out recently in an interview and said that it's as good as the original. It certainly captures that vibe of the original. We sit because we know that Bill Murray wasn't a fan of Ghostbusters two quite as much, and he was in the, the the reboot. But he said this film feels largely like that first film. It captures that vibe, and he he said he was kind of a bit skeptical about what um, what Reitman the younger could do, Jason Reitman could do with this film. But he read the story. He was interested. But he said that it was uh, it was painfully physical. He said that they're they're in the proton packs, they're you know they're out there doing their thing as Ghostbusters. So we're going to see that. But it, one of the, the quote I took from this was Bill Murray says, "We were just in it for a little while, but it was physically painful." Now I don't know if that means they were just you know the original cast were only filming for a, a little bit, or they were in the suits for a little while. Because I was just wondering about the size of their role, because we know it is going to be a kind of passing the torch kind of film. We've got the You've got the young cast coming in to take take over here, but I just wanted to get out there. Basically, Bill Murray and if, if the the grouch of Hollywood. If he says, you know, <laughs> this is this is worth his exact words were this is it's worth the wait. If he says Afterlife is good and he thinks it's worth the wait for the fans, that gives me even more hope, man. So, um, my editor at Burke Reviews uh, and longtime friend, um, when we went to Tribeca the first year. Uh, we we bike we were gonna find the firehouse for Ghostbusters oh, yeah. anyways, but we found it on accident. Like we just got came up out of the subway and we like looked across the street and there it was. And we were like both like children. We were so yes. excited. Um, we recently, uh, I don't know if you know this, but the the real Ghostbusters, the animated series, um, Walmart here in the states have re released the action figures and they they look like the yes. the originals. Like I think you noticed the Stay Puff on my wall the other day. Um, damn right i did that is from this that series i also have slimer right next to him i don't think you can see (laughs) it at the angle um but we we are we are huge ghostbuster nerds um i have other ghostbuster action figures as well i i I, including the pops i have the bill murray pop i also have the bill murray of course and uh, the firehouse pop set that's the firehouse with bill murray uh peter bankman to be accurate but i i am also a big paul rudd fan i think that's Mm -hmm. been on record many times So I was all in on afterlife anyways. Uh, I was so excited about it. Um, I, I also, I will, I will defend ghostbusters too. I don't think it's perfect. I do think it's very, very good and it's, it's very, very watchable. Um, but I love the first one. This one, it was literally the first movie I ever saw in theaters. I, I was two years old, but my parents took me to see ghostbusters in theaters. And it's, I attribute that as my love of movies. Um, mm-hmm. So I am so enthralled to hear murray say that i i as you had mentioned i am a huge bill murray fan uh i stand him much and um i i can't wait man i i'm a little disappointed i have to wait till november uh but in i mean i've already waited over a year because it was supposed to come out like in july if i'm not mistaken so last year then it's meant to come out april this year i think this month and now yeah november 
So, but you know, if it's going to be what I want it to be, then great. I did see, uh, I was grocery shopping the other night and they have uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife cereal right now, which is something they used to do all the time. Right. They, they, we don't get as much merchandise specialty cereal like that. That used to be a thing in like the nineties. I feel like yeah. where like everything got, I remember having the Tim Burton Batman cereal when it, that was like 89. And um, like, so it, I, I liked, I, I almost bought a box. It's all marshmallow. So I was like, I can't, I can't eat it. So I'm not going to, uh, if I buy it, it's just going to sit on the shelf, which people do, but I don't like doing that with food. Like, so I'm not going to keep it unopened for years. So mm-hmm. I, I just didn't buy it, but I was, I did take a picture and send it to my friend, David. Um, Cause I'm like, Hey dude, there's more ghostbuster stuff coming out. Uh, we'll, we will end up spending way too much money on on memorabilia this oh, year man. on Ghostbusters related things because they also have re- released the uh, the Ecto one for the, this movie um, in a very like a, like a, it's an expensive like fifty eight dollar like die die cast metal uh, via the Ecto one or whatever version yeah. they're calling this one and then I have the Hot Wheels Ecto one on my wall here too. I I love Ghostbusters and I can't man. wait. So sorry, dude, to, I can't to, wait, man. Ghostbusters was my jam as a kid. That alongside Teenage Turtles, I used to have the firehouse yep. and the and the toys and the Ecto one. You put the slime through the top of the firehouse and it'd come down. And I used to love, love, love the Ghostbusters as a kid. I used to watch the cartoons all the time. Uh, I was one of the only people who thought the 2016 one wasn't horrible. I didn't think it was great. But I think it was horrible. Um, and I, I you, my you, biggest you issue we're gonna have a fight. We're gonna have a fight here. No, my biggest issue with it was that they tried to do it as a reboot instead of a continuation. Like they could have just made it as a franchise. Like it's such a simple concept that they discussed in the second movie, this idea of franchising the Ghostbusters and they start one in Chicago instead of New York. It would have been such an easy thing to do. And I think the rebooting is what makes it weak. Um, Chris, Chris Hemsworth is the best part of that movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, there, there's a lot of other things that I, I, They, they, there's so many opportunities for that movie to be great, and it just misses left and right. And it also, uh, we we mentioned this uh, in a off off mic. Uh, um, this trend we are getting with uh, bad name dropping in movies, like when names don't quite work. Uh, you know, it's like comic book character names don't come; they don't roll off the tongue, right? So finding a way to say the name without it feeling cheesy is not easy. And we've seen a bad habit in recent movies. Like you go to the solo film. um, There's something that happens in Kong versus uh, Godzilla versus Kong, which I won't say what, but it's just badly done. Um, How the Ghostbuster logo came to existence in the 2016 film is another great example (laughs) of that. Where it's just like, are you kidding? Are you really, that's how you're going to do this. It's so, so bad. So sorry, but, it's not as I, I, I don't have any of the issues that like the the toxic side of the fan bases uh, had. No, I just no. wish it, I saw so much potential and it it squandered a lot of it, and that was disappointing. No, no, no what, you know what you're saying there is right. They could have just franchised that. But when my uh, when my daughter was was born, uh, I I purchased a Stay Puffed suit for her. So there was an image of her dressed up as the oh. Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. I wasn't, and that's what you know. Look, that's what you have kids for to dress them up as. Stay Puft or Darth Vader, both of which I did. So, um, yeah, she's going to love me when she's older. But, yeah, honestly, when I was uh, when, when she was born, I was like, Ghost, when I was a kid, I love Ghostbusters. We've got to put her in the Ghostbusters outfit. And I got my way, so she was a little Stay Puft. Um, and she <laughs> looked great. So, yeah, it's my most anticipated f- f- film of the year is Ghostbusters Afterlife. So, um, well, that was the, uh, the chat of headlines. And now we go on to our next segment, which is simply called Media Consumption. How much media have we consumpted in the last week? John has always got a uh, large smorgasbord and array of things he's been checking out. So, John, lead the way. What have you been checking out this week, man? Well, so I was off Friday because of Easter. We had Good Friday off, and then I took today off. So I've, I've consumed quite a bit. Um, my usual uh, Blank Check podcast, they just started Elaine May. They're they're making a joke of it's April. It's May and April or April and May <laughs> yeah. um, because uh, – that she only has four films that she directed and so that's it's only four movies so it works out perfectly for the month of may a new leaf is on amazon prime it's all it stars walter Matthau and and elaine may she actually had a co-star in it mm-hmm. it is so good dude if you haven't seen it you should totally take in, uh, the time to watch it it's just oh, under two hours um Matthau is amazing in it it's a super dark comedy apparently it was the there's a three-hour cut that never was released that was like may's director's cut um, and I don't, they don't know if it'll ever exist, but like in the three hour cut, 
there's a lot more darkness to the movie than what we get in the final cut, but um, it's, it's so good. Uh, I already, uh, I'll talk about her next film uh, and what else I've been watching, but um, I, I, I had to play some video games. I, I got a, a new computer. Mm-hmm. So I've been, I haven't really played too much, but uh, you got, I've talked about magic, the gathering. I'm a big fan of the card game. There is a new um, like MMO style. It's an action RPG. I think it's what it's called. Um, called uh, Magic the Gathering Legends, I believe is the full title. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a very cool kind of like mu- massive multi multiplayer online role-playing game uh, with a that kind of builds the card game into it in a weird way. Um, I've only played it a little bit, but I enjoyed what I got to, to, to start with. It is a free-to-play game that has the pay, you know, you can buy stuff to make yourself yeah, yeah. better kind of thing. Um, but then I've watched a bunch of movies. Uh, Corey and I did uh, a silent voice from 2016. It's an anime film. Uh, it's on Netflix. Uh, this month on Movie Club, we're doing drawing conclusions. So we're watching animated films that we have missed out on. Nice. Um, and so that was one. I'm gonna we're gonna complete our Leica films because I have never seen Box Trolls, and uh, Corey has not seen that or Missing Link from a couple of years ago. So we're watching those this month, and then. Um, and then uh, I forgot the other movie I picked um, in between. I, I picked Box Trolls. Oh, and then we're ending with uh, Your Name from oh, a couple of years ago. I need to watch that, man. Yeah, it's been on my radar since it, it was really, really well regarded a couple of years ago. And I, I haven't, I bought it then. I just haven't got to it. So that's mm-hmm. this month as well. Um, I, I don't know if you know this. I watched Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, that's right. Um, Thanks, dude. Yeah. Uh, but so. Um, uh, and because of the Blank Check podcast uh, Patreon, they're doing the Star Wars Trek film com- commentary. So yep. I watched the fifth one this morning. Uh, the fifth one's pretty bad, dude. The Final Frontier. <laughs> um, it, like, there's some. It's it's definitely one of the campier films, but also the premise is like kind of crazy because Spock's half brother is uh, looking to find God in space. Like, in space, uh, it's it's something. Okay. Um, but the big thing for me this weekend, uh, I was very excited. I, I have been wanting to watch the films uh, produced by Val Luton for a while. There is a podcast called The Secret History of Hollywood that if you have not listened to, you need to, uh, listeners. Especially if you like our podcast at all, uh, that means you must like movies enough. Um, so the Patreon has the Star Trek movies, and so I watched the fifth one, finally. Um Final Frontier is not the best one for sure. If I had started there, I probably wouldn't be as into it as I am uh, at this point. So luckily I'm invested. Um, but yeah, there is Spock's half brother searching for God in space. So it's a little, <laughs> it's a little, little surprising uh, that that was the way. direction. Yeah. Uh, but the most exciting thing I got to watch um, is uh, the secret history of Hollywood is this amazing podcast um, that I've been a fan of for a while now. He's, he's done three different series. The first one was on the Warner Brothers, and um, yep. uh, I'm going to forget. Uh, uh, my gosh, the actor's name is not coming to me, but um, James Cagney. And then the second series they did on Val Luton, the uh, RKO producer who is kind of credited as g- breathing new life into the horror genre that was different mm-hmm. than the Universal Monsters. So I've wanted to actively watch the Val Luton films, but they are not easy to get on physical media right now and they are about 10 bucks a piece digitally so i've, I've seen a couple but i've been slowly buying because i buy other movies and it's just like i haven't prioritized but yeah. uh i don't know if it was this weekend or recently shutter added the val luton collection on shutter which is not all of his movies but it is most of them it's seven out of nine i think or seven out of ten of the horror films. Cause he did do two like non horror outside of RKO though. So I'm not like looking to get to those, but um, so I've watched from the Val Luton collection. I walk with a zombie, uh, the leopard man and the seventh victim um, this weekend. Uh, the beauty is a lot of these movies are like just over 60 minutes. So like they're like 71 minutes, 72 minutes. So they're easy watches to do like kind of back to back man. If you haven't seen cat people or, um, uh, any of these actually, they're all great. Um, I, I actually really like, I walk with the zombie a lot. Um, the leopard man is really good. Seven victim. I wasn't quite giving it my full attention cause I was 
doing other stuff, but I still <laughs> enjoyed, uh, and I did get sucked into the ending. I was very like, oh, wait, what's happening? Um, so, yeah, definitely excited that Shudder added that because uh, Val needs to be known, and that's why I keep recommending The Secret History of Hollywood to everybody um, because you just need to hear his story. It's such a great story. There is a documentary about him as well. Uh, Martin Scorsese does a lot of the narration on. It's really good. Um, it's not the best documentary, but it's definitely, it's, I actually prefer the, the podcast to the documentary, but, um, then, and to wrap this up quickly, uh, I've, I got into search party last week. I watched all of uh search party season one in like a day. Um, and it's, it's a really good show. It's currently on HBO max. And mm-hmm. I am now I've watched season two and uh, like, I think four episodes of season three. And there's only four seasons right now. And season four just dropped on HBO max within the last You're year. Killing it. But yeah, I, it, well, they're 22 minute episodes. There's 10 episode seasons. So it's like, it's pretty, pretty manageable, uh, time wise. And it's just, it's really compelling. Um, I, I've really grown to like the performances. I can't say I like the characters, but I, you're not really supposed to like there. There's a level of pathos, but it's at the same time. It's like, mm, these, these people are kind of getting what they deserve. Uh, even if you don't like fully agree, but they're definitely like, uh, okay. But it's, it's a really dark comedy. That's a lot of, it's just, man, it's just interesting. It's so good. I can't wait to finish it. Um, but then where we get to do the crossover is uh, watch episode three of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying the show. I, I very much liked uh, Baron Zemo. Is that, that's right. Baron Zemo. Yeah, Baron Zemo. I, I, Daniel Bruhl. I, I liked that a lot. I thought I was very pleasantly surprised with him in the show. I knew he was going to be in the show, but I mean, I was like, I didn't know that I would care that he was in the show. And I, I did. So I was like, great. I'm glad he was there. Uh, what did you think of episode three? Yep, yeah, I, I thought it was fine again. I'm I'm still enjoying the uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier. I think the the episodes have been nothing if not consistent. You know, they haven't been. I think the first one I still really enjoyed, uh, and the subsequent two have been been pretty good. Have been good episodes, and I think that's where I'm at with this current mini series. Is that it's good. We're at the halfway point now. There's only six episodes. We're at the halfway point, and I think it's good. I'm looking forward to you know, what's going to happen in these subsequent final three episodes. Is it going to kind of explode a little bit like one division did towards the end? It just kind of went big or are we going to stay at this level? Part of me wants to stay at this level, partly to prove myself wrong when I just said it would just be lots of things going bang, bang. But, um, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. You know I mean? It's, it's kind of subverted by thought it's going to be, but in a good way, I think the performances are good. Uh, I'm liking where the story's going. I like the characters they're bringing back. I don't like the online discourse about it, but that's just, unfortunately pop culture fandoms nowadays are a little bit silly. But um, I'm, enjo- I'm enjoying this one, man. And is this getting you any more excited for Loki? I say that because we're enjoying this. We both very much enjoyed One Division. You know, where are you at with um, Loki? It uh, so nothing. None of the shows got me excited for Loki, except for the trailer for Loki. I was actually pretty mm-hmm. pleased with the the trailer for Loki. Um, it, it looks like it's going to be fun, and it, it, I think it's definitely going to have more of the one division vibe to it. Like the more, uh, and also I think I think it's going to give us a little bit of a taste of the what if because of um, it's the anomaly, and I'm trying to write like correct the timeline. So mm-hmm. I think that's going to, to kind of give people who aren't familiar with the what if comics, what to expect from the what if show, I think. Yeah. Yep. I think that makes sense, my friend. So um, yeah, Falcon and Winter Soldier, third episode was solid as they've all been. Um, I haven't really watched an awful lot this week. Cause like I said, it's been kind of quietly very busy and I haven't really had enough time, a lot of time to do much, but I've, what I have been watching, I've enjoyed very much. I went back to rewatch Amelie which I know we both absolutely adore that film. Uh, Jean-Pierre Jeunet's uh, 2001 Audrey Tateau starring wonderful, feel-good, beautiful film. John, you like the film, don't you? Oh, yeah. Big, big fan of Amelie. Um, one of my uh, very like late-to-get-to films, but um, there's so much about the style of that film that reminds me of Edgar Wright's style. Um, like, there's a lot yeah. of rapid cutting and stuff that... I think uh, he, he definitely took some, some uh, influence from. And, I mean, it's a gorgeous film, too. Like, it just looks Dude. so amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it looks like the kind of film that somebody who made Alien Resurrection could have made this film. Ugh. That's how I feel about it. But, yeah. Now, Amelie, wonderful film, talking about this week on Retrospectives. But the guy who doesn't watch TV shows or series, which is me, has suddenly spent all of his time watching TV series. Um, 
like I said, I watched devs recently, watched one division, have been keeping tabs on Falcon and Winter Soldier, obviously, obviously watch, watch the Mando when it's out. Um, but I've been watching Invincible, the Amazon Prime kind of uh, animated comic adaptation. Oh, I'm really, really enjoying Invincible. It gets better and better each week. They've just dropped episode four. It's so compelling. It's fun as well. It's a lot of fun, but it's very compelling. If you haven't seen Invincible, check it out, honestly. And um, I've started to watch, I've finished, in fact, The Boys. I know so many people have said how good The Boys was on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. I've said I, it. You, you've said it before, yeah. And I've put it off and I've put it off and I've put it off. I finally watched it the other day and I dig it, man. I dig it. I, I finished season one yesterday and I've watched the first episode of season two. So tonight I'm going to watch, you know, maybe hopefully two or three more episodes tonight. But I'm digging it, man. I'm really, really enjoying it. It's, not, it's nothing like I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a united bunch of superheroes who, you know, said a few rude words and, you know, got into some like hijinks and some capers and got into some scrapes. And it was a bit like, like a full on comedy. I thought it was with rude words. Turns out I was wrong. It's much far, far better than that. I really like mm-hmm. its, like, its take on uh, corporations, their use of their products, shall we say, and all this kind of good stuff. Dude, I'm digging the boys, man. Yeah, I really enjoyed that show. Um, yeah, you're just still on season one, though? Uh, I've finished season one. I've uh, watched episode one of season two. I've watched that. So I've just started season two, and I'm going to watch maybe episodes two and three, certainly tonight. Yeah, I, I really like the show. Um, I read. I actually ended up reading the graphic novel after watching the show because I was, I was like, I need more content. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I am a big fan. I think that... Um, Jack Quaid, right? That's the lead, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Plays Hugh, yeah. Also, Carl Urban just needs more work. I love that guy. Like, Dude, I watched Return of the King, as I mentioned last week, and then very quickly watched The Boys After, and I'm thinking, this is a weird double feature for Carl Urban to be in. AMA has suddenly changed an awful lot now as Butcher. Yeah, um, but he's, man, he's so good. And I, uh, he's people slept on dread and that's a shame because that movie is like if you like action i mean it's violent and it's just an action movie but man that movie was really really good and just uh slept on so hard and again him at the helm of that was just perfect yep yep spot on you haven't seen the boys come for someone who's only just got on the wagon (laughs) go check it out uh so that is our media consumption section and we always end off with a very special segment you know we get the we get the film stuff out the way we know you like hearing that but in order to give you that content, we need to maintain our levels of bloody awesomeness. So we need to find new and interesting ways each week to stay bloody awesome. So, John, how have you been staying bloody awesome this week? Well, to, um, when you're listening to this, uh, listener, my daughter has turned 17. Um, Happy birthday. Yep. It, it's insane uh, to me that she's 17 years old. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, uh, she's getting a new computer for her birthday. Um, nice. and so that was like the big gift and it's still, it's, it, she's, uh, has this kind of weird circumstance where she's now had two birthdays in the pandemic. Um, because it was, you know, just about this time last year that we had gone into full lockdown and everything was shutting down. So we didn't get to celebrate her 16th birthday and we're really not going to get to celebrate in a traditional sense. Yes, things are open here, but we're, we're still pretty cautious and uh, keeping small um, groups. Uh, fortunately, her boyfriend is part of our bubble for the most part. So like he'll, mm-hmm. he'll come over and, I'll, you know, whatever, and we'll get dinner or something, but it, it won't be a, a traditional party kind of thing. Uh, and it hasn't been for a couple of years anyways, but you know, we were going to do a big one for her 16 and then, that was not an option. And then this year still not an option, but nonetheless uh, celebrating and, you know, just uh, making sure she feels loved. And, and we try to make her feel loved every day, but you know, just like, especially uh, for her birthday, just happy birthday. uh, My kid who's getting way too old. So happy birthday. And well done for making John feel just a little bit older. Yes. (laughs) During this pandemic. Happy birthday. I hope you had a lot. I hope you all had a um, wonderful time, even though it's a, crappy enough circumstances but oh well, there is a light at the end of the tunnel which isn't darth vader at, at the end of rogue one certainly we hope not anyway um mine is fairly similar it's just kind of just just family time isn't it it's spending time i've been spending time with the family recently so um just kind of alleviated some of the crap that we've been talking about um and it's just nice to kind of 
get out and have fun and do the things we used to do before the pandemic. And I've mentioned this one before on this segment because you know, there's little victories, isn't there? There's little things like that which make you think, you know what, this used to, we used to all take this for granted. And now when you don't do it as much, you think, oh, I enjoy this. Um, so that's what I've been doing is basically just catching up, you know, doing stuff like that, catching up with the with the uh, the ones closest and uh, letting that affect my mood in a positive way as we now bound towards the theatres reopening, the stores reopening, and the masks still being mandatory in the in the eyes of Matt and John. But um, so, so it, sounds, it sounds like we've both had a pretty pretty nice end of the week. We've had a decent pop culture field week, and we enjoyed our main discussion this week, which is Godzilla versus Kong. So, you know, fairly positive uh, episode of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. But we're going to be back next week with a, another streaming film. This time we're going to Netflix. And we're going to be checking out Concrete Cowboy and giving our non-spoiler thoughts and opinions on that. But if you want to hear more from us or speak to us online, you can do. John, where are we on Instagram? We're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. And on Twitter, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. B-A-M-P underscore podcast. BAMP underscore podcast. If you uh, like the old Zuckerbergie on Facebook, Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, you'll find us there. If you want to find me, whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. And then what I watch tonight across Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, you'll find my face on there. Lucky you guys. John, where can the world find you? I'm at BurkeReviews.com and at uh, Burke Reviews on all the social media platforms, including Letterboxd. Yep, go check out John's work and all of the uh, audio work he puts out as well. If you like what you just heard on the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, and you know there's somebody out there who likes film, let, let them know. Let them know there's a couple of friends who just talk film each week. And if you really like what you've heard, please do consider throwing us five stars on your podcast provider of choice, leaving us a good review gets more listeners into the show. It helps us grow and we get a bit more engagement with you guys as well, which is what we're here for as film fans. But with that, as always stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies. Blood, 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 blood,